everyone, and welcome to another episode of Global Gamecocks, a podcast hosted by the University of South Carolina Study Abroad Office. We're here to help answer all of your questions related to studying abroad. My name is Hannah Wild, and I'll be today's host. Today, we'll be focusing on minorities abroad and what that means. Our guests today will be Jeanne and Helen, both students at USC who have also gone abroad themselves. So Jeanne, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and where you went abroad and um, just about your time overseas. Yeah, so I am a junior at USC. I'm studying visual communications currently. And I studied abroad in Thailand. Um, I did a May master back in 2018. Um, yeah, so basically for the May master, I spent two weeks studying there and it was one class credit or one class, so it was three credit hours. Um, but yeah. Awesome. And Helen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, hi, so my name is Helen. Um, so I am currently a senior marketing major. I'll graduate in May, but I actually studied abroad in China for a full year during my junior year. Um, I studied in Shanghai and Chengdu, and I went with a global partner program, which is USAC, and I also participated in two internships while I was there. Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing about yourselves. Um, so now that we know a little bit about our guests, we're going to go ahead and dive on into today's topic. So basically, a broad definition about minority is that a minority can be defined as a group of people who differ in some way uh, other than the majority of the population. So this can relate to race, ethnicity, disabilities, gender, age, um, and plenty of other things as well. So at the University of South Carolina, around 35% of the undergraduate population is comprised of minorities. Um, and the study abroad office offers many resources for minority students. But I'd like to hear from each of you guys um, to tell us a little bit about um, your experience as a minority and how that affected your time abroad. So thanks for you know, sharing that definition. And I did want to add um, just some statistics that I found myself. Um, I found that about 9% of Latinx folks are able to study abroad, only about 6% of Black folks study abroad, and only about 1% for Indigenous folks. So I definitely think those numbers are extremely low, um, you know, when compared to just the general population of students that study abroad. Um, but just to kind of talk a little bit about my experience in China, um, I did have a really wonderful experience there. Um, and I know we're kind of talking about you know, minorities. So I did want to share a little bit about, you know, my, I guess, identity here in the United States. Um, so while I am kind of racialized in the United States as a Latinx woman, um, I do want to admit that I kind of have some privilege there in being light-skinned. So I feel like um, I don't really get um, harassed directly as much because there's a little bit of ambiguity about like what my race or my ethnicity might be. Um, and I think that also contributed to me not being the direct target of like too much harassment abroad. And I say that because I did witness like a lot of maybe harassment towards like my friends who are black or brown. Um, and a lot of that was kind of passed off as like curiosity. Um, but what I can say is I did experience um, some xenophobia um, where a lot of people would kind of um, name maybe like offensive stereotypes when I let them know that I was Colombian. <laughs> which um but I do have to admit that this is something that happens like regardless of where I am this also happens in the U.S. Mm -hmm. so um it's definitely not like uh an isolated incident I do I 
I think you might have cut out. Can you hear Shawnee? Yeah. Okay. Helen? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I think it is my internet. I'm just going to connect really quickly through my phone. No, my internet kind of like goes in and out. Um, I'll probably connect while Johnny is like sharing her part. Okay. <laughs> and this will be edited, right? <laughs> oh, I'm going to edit an after effect. So. Okay, thank okay. you. <laughs> okay, so um, just to kind of like um, end it off, I was going to say like, I'm not super shocked about that because I feel like it's a systemic issue worldwide. I don't think it's um, specific to any one country, but I think it is something we have to acknowledge when we're talking about, you know, potentially studying abroad or what to kind of prepare for. Awesome. Thank you for that, Helen. Um, Jeanne, yeah, if you want to take over and tell us about your time too. Yeah, so I am an African-American student, and like Helen said, um, Black students are very, very underrepresented in study abroad. I think when I was looking up the, at USC's study abroad statistics, I think for the 2018 and 2019 school year, um, only 3% of the students who went abroad were African-American, which is a really low number. Um, so I knew all of this when I decided to study abroad, um, when I was researching about just studying abroad in general and specifically like going to Thailand. Um, I saw a lot about like whenever you research like being black in Asia, there's so many different like stories and stereotypes and everything. Um, so I definitely was like aware going into it. Um, and I was a little nervous to be honest, a little scared. <laughs> um, but while I was there, I didn't face any like direct racism or anything. I didn't like experience any harassment. Um, the only thing that really happened was I was stared at like everywhere I went and that was definitely like uncomfortable at first. Um, I did get used to it a little, um, but like reading about it before you go and actually experiencing that are two like totally different things. Um, and if anything, I just found it really interesting because I don't think any of the people who were like staring or curious um, I don't think they were doing it out of a place of like hate or anything like that. I think it was just out of a place of like curiosity um, because you don't really see a lot of um, African-American people in Thailand at all. I think while I was there, um, I barely saw any other people that looked like me. Um, there was one other girl in my group who was also a person of color. So that was... Um, um, she experienced like the same things I did, but other than like having her there, um, we were like the only two that kind of like looked similar to us. Um, and so it definitely didn't have like a negative effect on my experience at all. Um, it made it so much more interesting actually. Um, but while I was there, I was definitely aware of the difference and everything. So, yeah. Awesome. So I know you guys mentioned while you there, you face some stuff, but what about prior to going abroad? Do you think there's anything that may be holding minorities back from going? Um, I know when I was doing some research on the subject, things such as like finances or family and community thoughts and cultures or things like that. Um, did you guys experience any of that? Jai? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I am a first generation college student, so that was one thing. Um, I also come from a single parent household, um, so that's another thing. And um, not really like a minority issue, but I am like the first person in my family to like travel outside of the country. 
Um, so I definitely received like a lot of like apprehensive comments from family members and friends. Um, on the financial side, like being from a single parent household and being a first gen, um, I was definitely a little nervous to study abroad. I didn't really know how I was going to afford it because it is, it can be a little expensive. Um, that was before I knew about scholarships and everything. Um, but that was definitely a factor. Um, and the fact that my family, like I'm the only one in my family that like likes to travel and like actually wants to. Um, there was also that like no one else kind of like understood what it meant to go abroad. Like everyone um, kind of only knew what they heard like in the media or like what they like heard from other people and no one like really like knew what going abroad would actually be like. And so me being the one that was like researching everything and trying to convince everyone to let me go, um, it was kind of frustrating trying to like educate everyone. Um, but it was definitely worth it in the end. Um, and yeah, so those are some of the factors that kind of like that, I wouldn't say like prohibited me from going, but they were definitely factors that I had to like take into account when I was deciding to go, so. Yeah, and those again, I feel like that's a pretty common thing for not just minority students, but for a lot of other students too, just dealing with all of that. Um, yeah. What about you, Helen? Did you face any of that? Yeah, so I just want to like kind of agree with a lot of what Johnny said. Um, definitely, I, I, you know, identify with like being a first gen student and being like working class. And I feel like that definitely had a lot more of an impact on like me being able to go through the application process or being able to finance um, the trip. And I do think, you know, a lot of those factors kind of correlate with, you know, race and ethnicity just um, based on the ways things are set up in the U.S. So um, I definitely am not shocked that the, those are, you know, barriers that we both kind of faced. Um, and I did want to mention that due to kind of like being very worried about um, how to finance my trip, I did end up choosing USAC as my provider um, because of that reason. Um, they offer a lot of like inexpensive trips and um, a lot of their like a lot of um, their programs are kind of modeled in a way to cut out like a lot of um, expenses that might not be as important to a lot of students. So that's kind of why I chose that provider. They offered a lot of scholarships. Um, and I also got a lot of guidance from like um, the National Fellowships and Scholars Office on campus. They helped me with like scholarships for like students who had a lot of financial need and for first gen students, um, like scholarships like the Gilman and Freeman Asia. So I definitely received a lot of um, assistance in that regard. Um, and, you know, as we previously mentioned, like a lot of Latinx folks aren't able to study abroad due to many factors. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the time, some of these factors can be alleviated by like scholarships or by, you know, inexpensive programs. But a lot of the times, you know, you can't um, overcome a lot of barriers, like, for example, being undocumented or, you know, being working class, etc. So um, I do feel pride in being able to study abroad. And I do think my parents were also very proud of the fact that I could go for so long. Um, and they even contacted like a local Latinx newspaper to cover the story. And then I did hope that like sharing my advice and sharing my suggestions and kind of encouraging others to study abroad would make that difference. But it is easier said than done because there's so many barriers that are still kind of there. Yeah, and that's awesome. I like that, you know, you take so much pride in it and that you're willing to 
you know, share your story with others to um, ease their transition for future study abroad students. Um, so I know we talked about like finances being a fear or prohibitor to studying abroad, but did you guys have any other big fears before you went abroad that might have, um, you know, blossomed because of your minority or anything like anything like that? Oh, okay. Yeah, I have. <laughs> so I did want to kind of talk about, um, so one of my identities is being Latinx, but also I think being a woman in general is a little bit difficult when you're studying abroad because um, you, I think we're kind of like socialized to have a lot of fears and just based on like violence against women in the United States, we kind of carry that fear with us everywhere we go. And um, for example, like I was initially really afraid of walking alone in China at night. Um, and so when I went, like I actually asked my host parents if it was safe to walk alone at night because I would never walk alone at night in the US, even on campus, even downtown. Like it's really um, kind of rare for me to walk alone just because I always carry that fear of like being attacked um, while I'm alone. So. It was really reassuring to hear from their perspective that like they saw you know China to be a lot safer they saw um, a lot less crime like things like that so I was kind of reassured and you know even though violence against women does happen like all across the world I do feel like I felt a little bit safer um, there just because of the way kind of laws are set up but um, I do want to say though that there's still the this um, I guess I do still want to say that like everywhere I feel like people are kind of entitled to attention from women and to like women's bodies so I think it is something that still exists just because of um, the systems that are in place so it is important to still kind of protect yourself and that responsibility shouldn't lie on us but unfortunately a lot of the time it does. Mm -hmm. John A did you feel the same way when you were in Thailand? Um, yeah, so before I went, um, or before you really go anywhere, um, like Helen said, like just being a woman in general, going anywhere is always um, causes like a bit of concern. Um, before I went, um, when I was doing research, um, I learned that Thailand is a very, very safe country, and it is. Um, I've never felt threatened while I was there. Like I never felt like scared for like my security or anything like that. Um, there was actually one time where I was walking alone, like I was going to a 7-Eleven and like my program and like the students, they knew where I was going. So it was fine. Um, but I never felt threatened or anything. I did get like stared at, of course, but like um, no one like approached me or anything like that. So I was lucky enough to have like a good experience. Um, but um, again, like Helen said, like there's always like anywhere you go, it's always like really important to just be cautious regardless and practice like um, you know, like, um, common sense and everything. Um, so it definitely was one of my fears going, but again, I was lucky enough to not like experience, um, anything like really bad. So. And I can attest to what both of you said as well about being a woman abroad. Um, during my time in Australia, I mean, I had to walk to class every day and take the bus, um, public transportation, which again, like as you guys said, I think common sense and being aware of your surroundings, especially as a woman, um, are just things that you need to be aware of. Um, but yeah, so I know you guys mentioned it when you were first um, describing your experiences abroad um, about how you noticed differences and how people treated you, but I just wanted to dive in a little more about that. Um, 
So did you guys see a big difference on how you were treated as minority um, abroad versus in America? For me personally, um, besides, well, besides like the stairs and everything, there were times where people would like come up to me. Um, I had one, I was at like a coffee shop, I believe. And I had one lady come up to me and I had my hair in braids and she actually like started touching them, which people don't do here. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really shocked just because I've never had that like happen to me before. Um, but she was very nice about it. Like I, when I looked at her, like instead of like getting angry or anything, um, and she, she spoke English, but it wasn't very good. So she just started like asking me questions about my hair and I was like happy to answer them. Um, cause like, again, like anything I experienced, I realized like they, it, like they were just curious if anything. Um, and so I try not to like react like too like scared or anything like that. Um, but I was like happy to like inform her the best I could about like, um, my hair and about like what, like who and what I was and everything. And she was really nice about it. So that turned out to be a good experience. Um, but it was definitely like really different for me. Um, and also like personal space there is not really like a thing that's another thing um so um even just like walking around like people would stand like really close to you um and that was for everyone like regardless of like race or anything like that um so that was definitely different as well um but again I was like lucky enough to have like all good experiences and I was only there for like two weeks so I'm sure if you stayed longer um I would probably have experienced like other things as well um but personally, um, those were like the only like main differences, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Helen, what about you? Did you have any? Yeah. Um, so I do think, um, um, and like I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I do think, you know, due to, you know, being a little bit, my race being a little bit ambiguous or like my ethnicity, I do think my experience was a little bit different. Um, I do think I saw a lot of similarities between like my experience in China and like my experience in the U.S. as a Latinx person. Um, since I am already kind of racialized in the United States, like certain assumptions come with that identity. But in China, um, I do think the difference there was that like a lot more people were curious about my race. Um, and especially um, since China actually has um, 56 minorities. So I think a lot of people wondered like whether I was um, a minority from China, like I got that question a couple of times or they wondered when I did tell them I was from the US, um, like how I could be from the US um, because they kind of expect um, maybe only white people to live in the US and to like go abroad. Um, so I think that was one of the main problems. And I think I mostly blame the lack of like representation of Latinx people and other minorities in media for these assumptions, because if, you know, if we had more people who looked like us in media, then, you know, maybe the perception worldwide would kind of change. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And I think like from both of what you guys have said, um, I think, you know, this has provided good opportunities for you guys to start a dialogue with people in the countries that you visited, um, and even with people back home. Have you guys noticed that as well to be true with people back home about starting a dialogue? Yeah, definitely. Um, so then I guess we'll just go into an overview of it. I just want to know how studying abroad has changed your guys' life, um, whether it be like as with your identity as minority or 
just in general? Yeah, so for me, I would definitely say, I know it's kind of like corny, but I would definitely say that it like changed um, my perspective on a lot of things. Um, again, it was like my first time going out of the country. Um, and when I was younger, like I'd always wanted to travel, but I didn't really get to do it as much, um, mainly because my family didn't really like see it as a priority. Um, and so I like, since that was my first time, I was kind of like exposed to like different cultures, like different food, different people. And from that, like I knew that I wanted to like travel more in the future. Um, I actually plan on maybe getting my master's abroad. Um, and I was planning on studying abroad again um, in my undergrad before the virus happened. Um, that's another story. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I realized that I love like learning about other cultures and other people. Um, and also I had a unique experience. So when I went abroad, I was an engineering student. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people go abroad to like dive deeper into their major. Um, but what I learned from my experience was that I actually didn't like my major as much as I thought I did. Um, and a lot of that was like that real world experience that I got. Um, so I don't like regret going in the field that I went in. Um, but it definitely like once I saw like, especially like seeing that in another country as well. Um, once I was kind of like exposed to the things that I could do, I kind of realized that it wasn't the path I wanted to go on. Um, and when I came back, I did switch to something that I liked a little more. Um, but I think that was a really unique opportunity to kind of like explore um, what I was into. And um, that's also why I'm glad I did like a May master program um, because since it was my first time going, the two weeks, I felt like that was a perfect like amount of time to um, really like just get started into traveling. It wasn't as expensive as doing a whole semester or, uh, um, or like a year long program and it wasn't as big of like a commitment. So if you're like new to studying abroad, I would definitely recommend like checking out some of the Maymesters. Um, but I do think the whole experience in general was just like really unique. And even though it was like almost two years ago, like I always remember like certain things from that trip and everything. Um, and I always talk about it to like everyone. <laughs> so um, yeah, but it was definitely like life changing for me. Yeah, Helen, what about you? Do you notice any ways that it's changed your life? Yes, so um, I do think, um, just to kind of start off, I think I have become a lot more like open-minded and informed about like international news, especially um, due to living in another country for so long. Um, I do try to bring up my experience living in China whenever I hear any comments that I know are absolutely not true um, about China. And I also try to like uplift the voices of Chinese folks or a lot of the things I learned or just, you know, listen a lot more to what people have to say um, because I think it's so important to kind of um, give people that space to talk about their experience and to talk about you know their lives um, whether it be here in the United States or there in China um, and I do think it study abroad just opens the door for us to be a lot more respectful of other people and I feel like I um, I got a lot of that um, I was able to have a lot of dialogue with people um, and I and I think a lot of that comes with um, a lot of that, um, to be able to be respectful to other people, you definitely have to unlearn a lot of the ideas that you're kind of um, taught at a very early age, because a lot of that isn't necessarily true. A lot of that you, um, 
kind of come to terms with when you're older and when you're actually talking to people. Um, and I was able to finish two internships while I was abroad. So I think that having that experience, meeting so many people, um, being able to practice Chinese was so meaningful to me. Um, it was definitely a good thing to add to my resume, but I think it taught me what I want to do in my life and what I don't want to do. And I think that's so important, you know, for students to learn. Um, and ultimately, I just want to like empower people like me, empower, you know, our communities and, you know, get them to have all of these experiences, to have these dialogues. Um, and it is easier said than done, but I like to be kind of an advocate for, you know, things changing so that we are able to have these dialogues and open these doors. Well, thank you. Um, and I guess this is my last question for you guys, but it's, I just wanted to see if you guys had any pieces of advice that you would give to another minority student um, who's thinking about going abroad. Yeah, so um, I guess what I would say is um, I would encourage other minority students to seek out help from you know, offices like the National Fellowships and Scholars Office, the Study Abroad Office, um, the Financial Aid Office, I do think they're willing to work with you when they hear about a lot of the barriers um, that you're facing. Um, and that's one of the things, but I think another one of the things is, you know, reach out to other students who've done it, communicate, you know, some of the barriers that you're facing and see how the other students kind of went about it and overcame those barriers. And, um, you know, a lot of the times, the combination of you know just hearing what other people have done and you know asking for help um kind of helps you get through that situation um and i do understand that it can be a little hard to ask for help when you need it because i feel like we're kind of taught to be self-sufficient especially um I think a lot of minority students, a lot of students in general are taught to be kind of self-sufficient and independent, but I think a lot of the times we do need that help and we need to reach out and, you know, see where we can get information. Yeah, Jane, do you have any pieces of advice to give them? Yeah, um, I agree with everything Helen said. Um, I also advise that you definitely just like look into scholarships. There's so many out there, especially for minority students. Um, I was actually able to fund like my entire trip through scholarships. Um, and so that was like a huge, huge um, thing for me. That's the only reason that I was able to go. Um, so definitely like seek out help, seek out those resources on campus because they are there. Um, and like Helen said, to talk to other students, that's a great way to like, when you hear like, or when you hear like see people like you or that have done it like before you, it makes it a little bit more, um, it makes it seem a little bit more possible if that makes sense. Um, so definitely like reach out to people. Don't try to like do it all alone because it's a, the process is a lot, but it's definitely worth it, so. Well, thank you guys. Um, just, I guess to echo what you both said, the study abroad office at the University of South Carolina is here to help students um, of all backgrounds, you know, fulfill their dreams to go abroad. Um, and again, like you both mentioned, there are scholarships and resources, plenty of them available for students who are looking to go abroad. But again, thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this and for just sharing your experiences as a whole. So make sure you tune in next time for the next episode of Global Gamecocks.